Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, the Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us across the network. It includes uh, this great radio partner you may be listening to as well. Streaming live, Outkick.com, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and more. Join Chad in the chat. And uh, we've got plenty ahead over the next couple of hours to get you into the Tuesday evening through your workday. Uh, Chad, we've got John McClain coming up in about 20 minutes. The latest news and notes from across training camps in the NFL include some quarterback battles, an interesting one out west uh, for a backup gig, and uh, the running back spots. Some of the running backs are holding firm. Some are not. And who's going to ultimately win out? There are a couple quarterbacks, too, that tie into that, that have relied on running backs that may not have their guy week one. And it's amazing when you follow uh, Twitter slash X and you just look look up. This happens once a show yeah. where I'll see a headline that just really jumps out to me and I, I have to share on air yeah, and with you right away. Sure. This from TMZ. <laughs> the microphone Cardi B chucked at a fan after having a drink splashed on her has sold for nearly $100,000 on eBay. So the microphone she chucked at a fan and that, that fan is now suing her. Is now has now sold for over uh, close to a hundred thousand dollars on eBay. Don't you love America? I mean, I'm I'm sure it's a very expensive mic, Chad. You, we are we were at uh, Black. Oh, it's just, it's a it's a conversation had, piece for some oh, rich person. Oh yeah, but you hey, you guys want to say the microphone that Cardi B chucked at a fan? Come to my cigar room. Come to my wine cellar, and I'll show it to you. Let's go. Let's let's have a jaunt down there. I love it. Maybe she bought it back. That would be funny. <laughs> It's her conversation piece. Yes. And it's for when people step out of line in her house. She just chucks the microphone at them. Chad, a, a conversation piece uh, for the future of the, the Power Five, now a Power Four, is the ACC because of Florida State, right? And they're, they're certainly chatting it up uh, publicly about the fact it's not if but when and where we're going to move out of the conference. And they're working on a, a private equity to, to help fund the buyout costs that this would uh, – certainly uh, uh, set up for and, and very steep. Well, uh, the, I think the, the projections around 300 million, not just from ESPN, but also to get out of the grant of rights, both, both of those. Uh, but, you know, the ACC over the last couple of weeks has been mentioned as the next conference that should be on high alert based on what just happened with the Pac-12 vanishing. But I think the ACC is in a better position um, just due to ESPN's lifeblood of live programming, content, and the need for inventory. And it's not solely for ESPN based on football. Um, I think basketball is going to be a huge chunk of this for the ACC. And the difference between the ACC and the Pac-12, Pac-12 was stranded. They're on a deserted island where 
they're trying to create buzz of a negotiation for a media deal, didn't have it. And the ACC is locked in, yes, but they're locked in with ESPN, who also, moving forward, will have the Southeastern Conference on ESPN and ABC. But I, I don't think that if the ACC just melts away and then some of those programs end up in the Southeastern Conference, let's say, I don't think that generates more money from ESPN because ESPN needs content. They need space fillers. Even if it's a terrible program in that particular year or that particular sport, because look at it from what they air live on a nightly basis when it's not football season. Look at all of the channels and streaming options that they provide and the fact that they need to go from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. with that programming. They need the certain amount of inventory that the ACC provides, albeit it may not include Clemson or Florida State, but chances are they still own the rights to Clemson and Florida State if they end up, of course, in the SEC. So I think baseball to a much smaller degree, uh, but they need live content. And you have if you're a conference that's adding more programs, you're also adding it to provide uh, more programming, and live opportunities. You, you are filling that space for the network that's paying you a premium price. And I don't think you can replace all the different games that the ACC provides to ESPN, specifically when it's not just about filling that time on SEC Network or ESPN for a college basketball Wednesday night. This is the, the week-long deal where they're not having to replay 30 for 30s because they don't have the basketball rights to certain things. I, I think that's a massive part of this. And that's why, while I wouldn't feel totally secure if I'm the ACC, I do feel like someone has my back in my best interest, because it's in the best interest of ESPN to get as much content and, and not just acquire, but retain it as much as possible. I don't think they'll just let them choose to do whatever they want to on their own without trying to step in and unmuddy the waters and maybe they've already do they've already done that to some degree a couple factors to look at moving forward with this and I, I agree with everything you say and just on the outside looking in there's a lot of hours in the day to to fill if you're that if not just espn it's not just one network it's all the espn family of networks plus right. uh, espn plus streaming everything else they have going on one factor what happens with disney Mm -hmm. Bob Iger has already said, basically, we're for sale when it comes to ESPN and ABC, that we don't see that as a long-term part of our plan with what we're going to do in media and parks and everything else that Disney owns and, and operates. So they want to spin that off. And I'm not talking about just about ESPN. That's ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. That is uh, possibly SEC Network, ACC Network. That's ABC. So how does that factor into all this? The other one is the cost analysis for broadcasting the games. And Hutton, you brought this point up yesterday. They currently call a lot of games from home anyways, but there are cameras there. Now, with a lot of these schools, you have a relationship where they have their own setup mm -hmm. at these schools where they can yep. broadcast it with their cameras. What does that cost look like as opposed to the advertising revenue they're making when they sell those five or six sponsors for the ACC college season, it's going to run during every commercial break that you're going to see over and over again. They are making money off of that because it is live inventory and live advertising they're putting into those games. 
So how much do they make off of that? And how much are they going to continue to make off carriage fees for cable with everyone cutting the cord? So while right now today inventory is important, I wonder what five, ten years from now inventory will look like when you get out that spreadsheet and look at the cost versus what you're bringing in off of that. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know exactly where all this is headed. And I think a big part of it, Hutton, is the fate of ESPN, their networks, and ABC, and what Disney does with that. Yeah. It's going gonna, gonna to tell we, a lot of this. You mentioned the spreadsheets, though. I, I think the spreadsheets have a lot to do with it from ESPN's stance. I, I think the, the overriding presumption is, oh, the, the schools that want to leave, they'll just jump in the SEC, and they're going to get more in, in their media deal. Well, I don't know why ESPN would want to pay more when they're currently in preservation mode and they have content to fill. Yep. So I, that's why I think they, it's in their best interest and the networks are running this because conferences are entering the portal, teams are entering the portal uh, because of the money grab. The money may not be there from their stance because they've already got the ACC at this particular price, albeit it's not one that Florida State or Clemson feels like they can be competitive with, but it's in... ESPN's best interest to keep them together instead of seeing what happened with the Pac-12 uh, top to bottom. Chad, uh, speaking of Pac-12, there are four teams that remain. Um, a lot of discussion about Mountain West and uh, the other conferences that have at least uh, been thinking about tapping into the, the West Coast. ACC was mentioned even whenever uh, there was a discussion about the, uh, uh, the alliance where they had the coastal alliance between the Pac-12 and the ACC. Well, it's back around again, where we've discussed yesterday the uh, Stanford and Cal uh, potential for the ACC and the interest there. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it didn't make a lot of sense last week whenever Oregon and Washington were mentioned. But what model could they be showing us is about to happen across college sports, specifically with uh, ACC Big 12, and then also the teams that are left hanging out there that didn't join ACC or Big 12 or Big 10 or the, AC, the, the SEC, if you're Texas or Oklahoma? Rick Pitino has been on one, the new St. John's head coach on Twitter, and he's making a lot of sense, and people need to follow his Twitter account for this. And he was one of the first to say, all of this is about football, so why not let football just form their own conferences and leave the rest of us alone? And he said, thank God for the Big East. And what we have in basketball right now. And the fact that St. John's and others, they don't have football. Yeah. So don't have to worry yeah. about it. So he's saying, let them go make the money and do what they feel like they need to do. I, I think he's spot on right. It's something I've said for a while. I think it's going to be a probably a college football, men's college basketball spinoff. And then everyone else is going to be left for their own regional conferences that make more sense from a travel rivalry standpoint. And then ba football, maybe basketball, but definitely football will be separate. So credit where credit is due there. Also credit to Jared Stillman, a buddy of ours, local radio host on 102.5 The Game, our sister station, on our network affiliate, 94.9 The Fan, right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you if you're listening on one of our radio networks, by the way. Listen to Jared Stillman on the way home yesterday. And he brought this up. I think I know exactly where he's getting this information. And I can tell you that it's from a very good source. That, yes, the ACC and Cal and Stanford is a very real thing and is likely to happen. But 
not the way many think. It's not going to be an overall partnership. It's going to be a smaller share for a football-only partnership with Cal and Stanford, leaving Cal and Stanford to then join the West Coast Conference in every other sport. So now Cal and Stanford in basketball will play St. Mary's, Gonzaga, others in the West Coast Conference, in baseball, in water polo, in everything else that Stanford excels in, and they would only compete in football in the ACC. This is a brilliant model. I love this. This is where it needs to go. Making these moves and pretending it's about the student-athlete overall is a joke. It's not. We've seen a number of softball players in the Pac-12 say exactly that. We're going to play video a little bit later of an SEC coach telling you exactly that. It's not for the student-athletes, and it's not what's best. It may be what's best for football. It may be what's best for football players from a money standpoint. It's not a big deal to go from Palo Alto, California, to Florida State when it's once a week. When you fly in on a Friday morning and you fly out Saturday night, not a big deal for once-a-week football games. It is a big deal when your baseball team is going to Florida State, then going to Duke, then going to North Carolina for weekend series. That's a big deal. So let's go ahead and say what it is. It's football and everyone else. Well, let's do that. Let's have these super conference football conferences and let everyone else join a different conference. If that's what's going to happen with the ACC, I'm more accepting of this move for Cal and Stanford. I still think it's silly when you think about those two programs in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yes, it's the reverse of what we see with Notre Dame, where they're playing, what, a five-game schedule in the ACC, but they're independent. And then the rest of their their sports are yeah they get the they get the benefit of the full membership in basketball and baseball yeah. and, and other sports where they get to the fill out their entire reverse. schedule that way yeah where you're actually joining the conference for one sport and then the rest and then you're going to you're a smaller conference yeah then you jump back in for, for something the, else which makes more fiscal sense yeah um, and you still get the benefit of whatever media rights deal you need to fund the rest of the programs at your university. Yeah, you're not getting the full share from the ACC, but it's still a heck of a lot more than you'd get from the Mountain West. Or the Pac-12. Or the AAC. Yeah, yeah or the yeah. Pac-12, which is no more with the four yeah. teams. But you get my point. Like, it's still better monetarily, and then you also what? get the rest of the revenue yeah. from whatever conference you join for every other sport. What do you think happens with Washington State and Oregon State? No <sighs> one's talking know. about them. It's sad. And I brought up the numbers yesterday. It's not like they're the worst in the country in terms of eyeballs. They've just been left behind because they have. They're they're remote. I mean, I don't know if people have been to the Palouse. I have not. I knew a couple people who went to Washington State. It is in the middle of nowhere. It is on the Idaho state line, the Idaho-Washington line. Oregon State and Corvallis in the middle of nowhere. These are not big, booming metropolises with a lot of people around. You know what? And they've been sort of left out in the cold. I'll reach out to Ryan Leaf and see if he'll join us to discuss that. That would be a great one to have on yeah. to talk about uh, Washington State and what's next. Because I think the most obvious answer, and maybe it's just this simple, they just joined the Mountain West. I think, I think football, again, where does our mind go first? It's always football. My mind goes football first, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Boise State, yeah, the teams you'd play in that conference. Now, they could also try to... I don't know how you do this, but 
if Cal and Stanford were not to leave and you had the four, you could just go cherry pick the Mountain West and add Boise State, San Diego State, if the Big 12 doesn't want them, and others and say, well, now this is the new Pac-12. But we're going back to the Pac-10. We're going to add six schools, and it's going to be the Pac-10 again. But the problem with doing that, though, is now there are financial ramifications for San Diego State. Yeah. We know they're back in, and they've got like this $36 million buyout now. It's not worth it to any of those schools now to pay the buyout to get out of their current conference. Yeah, and the other schools that would be trying to acquire them and you know reform and redo this model they can leave without penalty right now so from a financial standpoint just join up with the mountain west and call it whatever you want to or just keep it the mountain west either way i don't think it's a automatic qualifier power five you can't just wave a magic wand over that no it's going to be tougher to sell utah state as the possibility the key to the yeah the the playoff yeah. at that wyoming point. You know. Cowboys, I do love those uniforms. John McClain joins us coming up. We discuss all things NFL, training camps, and what to watch for in some quarterback battles as the preseason games begin. That's next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Glad you're with us today if you're watching, streaming live on all the different social platforms, including YouTube, uh, Twitter, and more. And uh, if you're listening to our uh, radio station that uh, is a part of our network, we say thank you as well. John McClain joins us. Uh, A lot to discuss across the NFL. John, hope things are well. Always. Thank you for asking. Same here. Sports Radio 610 is where you can find his great work. Um, Before we dive into some of the top headlines as preseason games officially get underway, uh, two out of the gate outside of the NFL. First, your thoughts on the Big 12 acquiring through expansion the four corner schools that have been discussed over the last couple of months. I'm an old Southwest Conference guy. I didn't like it when Arkansas bolted A&M bolted, but I do think that they moved quickly when Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC to secure Houston, which has been trying to get in the Big 12 forever. 
uh, uh, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Brigham Young. And then to move and get uh, Colorado to meet brings absolutely nothing. If Dion wasn't a coach there, people wouldn't even know they still played football. And by bringing in Arizona, it makes basketball even better. It's the best conference in the country. It's even tougher with Houston coming in, Cincinnati, now Arizona, as it was described by uh, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL, said Big 12 basketball is going to be like Thunderdome. And that's a great way to put it. Getting Utah to come in, Utah's won Pac-12 last two years. I think it's good. So under the circumstances, when you lose Texas and Oklahoma and you recover the way they have to clearly be the third best conference behind the SEC and the Big Ten, I think they've done very well under Brad Yormark, who is the new commissioner. Certainly he's done better than the last two Pac-12 commissioners. Yes. I hate seeing Pac-12 fall apart, but I didn't pay any attention to it, truthfully, unless USC was great and had a great quarterback like Caleb Williams and great players throughout the years. You know, UCLA to me is, has not attracted my attention at all. And the fact is, these schools will still be playing a lot of meaningful games at home. And I'm kind of excited about it even though I don't think any of these moves are good for Baylor. It just makes it harder. But I'm fired up to watch it to see where it goes from here. And Stanford and Cal are being in the ACC when the ACC could be the next one to suffer major losses if the SEC wants uh, schools like Florida State and Clemson or maybe the Big Ten. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's excited about you know Stanford, Cal, ACC matchups in, in that way. But there also hasn't been a lot of talk about Oregon, Washington versus Big Ten teams. That was all the rave about what USC, Ohio State would look like in some of those games now in conference, UCLA, Michigan. I haven't heard the same amount of buzz about what Oregon, Washington will look like in the Big Ten. John, what's your level of excitement about those two schools joining that conference? Well, first of all, you can go from Newark, the airport at Newark to London, as quick as you can go from Newark to Oregon and go to Eugene. And one of the things we're never going to, we should never hear. Can you imagine if an administrator or a coach opens their mouth about student athletes anymore? Used to, it was all about, man, travel time, the cost of travel. Then it was the poor students are not getting, student athletes are not getting enough study time. The bottom line is this. The presidents, the regents, the ADs, they don't give a rat's you know what about the students unless those people have to be happen to be students who can make them a lot of money or former students who give them a lot of money. Television dictates everything. Television decides you want to go to two super conferences, there'll be two super conferences with multiple divisions. And truthfully, if Washington is really good. Maybe it's because I'm so immersed in the NFL. But if Washington is really good, I don't pay. I am paying attention to Washington since Warren Moon was the MVP of the '78 Rose Bowl. Oregon, I, I do for whatever reason. Maybe it's the uniform. Maybe it's the field. Maybe it's Phil Knight Specter. I I do pay attention to them. But you know, the bottom line, we're going to see a lot of blue blood programs playing games against each other. And what used to be, you know, you go eleven, you go eleven and one is now going to be an eight and four, and uh, they'll expand the playoffs to sixteen 
games pretty soon. So it'll be kind of like the NCAA basketball. Just bring on the tournament. So, John, when I saw the, the Tim Anderson knockout, the Major League Baseball fight, anytime I see any fight in baseball, I automatically think back to Nolan Ryan putting Robin Ventura in a headlock and using all that dad strength to beat up Robin <laughs> Ventura. Uh, you were a part of the Robin, uh, the sorry, the uh, Nolan Ryan documentary, which was terrific, and you were a big part of that. What's your recollection of that fight with Ryan, and and how do you think this one measured up with that? Obviously, the result was a knockout, but the visual that we just showed of Ventura versus Ryan was far better. I thought the play-by-play was hilarious. Instead of down goes Frazier, down goes Anderson, <laughs> and Tim Anderson will never, ever be able to live that down. Just like Robin Ventura in that documentary, Nolan Ryan, which was outstanding, I would encourage all of your viewers and listeners to check it out. Only one person didn't want to be interviewed, and they flashed that up there. And that, of course, Robin Ventura, I'll never forget. Oilers training camp had just come back in, and... TV was on a Rangers game, and I stopped, take a quick glance. I didn't care anything about the Rangers, except when Nolan Ryan was pitching. There were four of us. We saw him get in. We saw him charge them out. Kind of, you know, all of a sudden, oh, my God. The way he got him in a headlock and just pounded him, that'll be on tape as long as there's tape. John McClain with us, NFL columnist, SportsRadio610.com, as where you can find him. He joins us weekly uh, here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. John, uh, Eric Bieniemy is uh, so intense that there are intensity concerns with some players in Commanders camp. What do you make of this? And is this something that Bieniemy is known for? Because I don't remember the intensity talk from Kansas City. Never heard anything about it. You know, Andy Reid's not known as a head coach who makes beats up his players. Maybe Benemy's trying to show everybody. Well, Sean McCoy coach. would disagree. If yeah, you remember, that was the would. one guy that yeah. publicly had a problem with how he talked to players when in his time there in Kansas City. He did not like Benemy. Yeah, the way they talked to players. My goodness, <laughs> I used to. They used to, the Oilers used to have an offensive line coach, Bruce Matthews and Mike Munchak. You guys know them very well. Hall of Fame guards. And this coach, Kim Elton, he, Kim would scream and yell, cussing at them and everybody in training camp. They asked him to keep it down because of all the kids in the stands back then. And he just, he, if those guys were sensitive, they'd have been crying the way he treated them. Of course, that's the way it used to be all over the league now. You got to be sensitive about anything you say. As far as the enemy, you know, he's trying to show people that he can call plays, that he didn't get to call in Kansas City, and that he can be a great head coach and get a job without Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid there. And so, uh, I don't that that's going to die down. It's all about what the Commanders do. You know, it's a little different coaching Patrick Mahomes and Sam Howell, and I wish him all the best. But I think. That was so funny to see. It was a little too intense. Give me a break. <laughs> well, Hutton, I am glad you brought up that story because watching the quarterback series on Netflix, one thing I've not mentioned but really was a big takeaway on it, 
Uh, Bienemy didn't speak offensively to Patrick Mahomes. It was all Matt Nagy. Every bit of what you're seeing on the field, looking at the tablet on the sideline, calling plays, it was all, even in the locker room after the game, he would not speak to Bienemy. It was all Nagy when it came to Patrick Mahomes. That, that was something I, I jotted down mentally and thought, okay, now I can kind of see some of maybe the concern that's been out there about just exactly what his level of involvement was in the offense. Players and coaches like Andy Reid tried to help him get a job, and everybody in the league knew that, that Andy called the plays. Bienemy was the offensive coordinator. He spent a lot of time with the running backs. Matt Nagy was the um, quarterback coach. And then uh, uh, Kafka. Mike Kafka was the next one that replaced Nagy. And before Nagy went back, and those guys have done a great job. Kafka will be a head coach. If the Giants win again, he'll be a head coach next year. He got some interviews. But, you know, let's be honest. Couldn't one of the three of us coach Patrick Mahomes and say, Patrick, just make a play? Yep. Yep. And just look over at Kelsey and figure out something to do that's not in the playbook. <laughs> yeah. Here, here would be my instructions to Patrick Mahomes. What do you like? <laughs> All right, let's go do that. Yeah, let's do that one this time on this third and seven. Go ahead. When Vince Young was at uh, UT, University of Texas, not Tennessee, of course, uh, Mac Brown told the media one time, and I he laughed about it, and I laughed, and I said, man, what if that were true? Well, it was. He said, Vince, if that person reads not there, make a play. And Vince made a lot of plays yep. at Texas. John McClain with us. John, uh what is Jimmy Garoppolo uh, without a run game behind him if Josh Jacobs is not there and they have uh, Zamir White or Amir Abdullah in the backfield? Well, he's in danger. You know, he's always in danger of getting hurt. He needs a strong running game. He had a great running game with the 49ers, not because he had great backs. You know, he didn't get to play, I don't think, with McCaffrey after that trade, but they ran the ball very well. They had a great offensive line, and that's what they were all about. So I don't think for a minute Josh Jacobs, unless he gets hurt uh, in a car wreck or something, is going to miss any time. Too much money to be made. You mentioned San Francisco there. So Brock Purdy's the starter. He's really, over the last week, apparently uh, sealed that based on his play in practice. We'll see. It's early. Uh, but he's the guy. But the, the real story that I'm watching as the preseason games start start up, John, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold have been splitting the backup reps. What do you, what do you make of that? Instead of like there's seven reps for Trey Lance, three for Don, Darnold, they're going 50-50 on it. Whoever's the backup quarterback, that's a crucial job in the NFL today as the 49ers found out last year. And I can't imagine... Sam Darnold's going to be the third guy, the emergency quarterback, just like here with Case Keenum, an experienced veteran, uh, being the third emergency quarterback behind C.J. Stroud and Davis Mills. It's amazing to me what Kyle Shanahan saw in Lance because yes. he only played one game, the first game his last season in North Dakota State. They showcased him for the scouts. And obviously Kyle saw a lot that he liked, to pay so much to move up to get him. Now, he may end up in the Hall of Fame, and injuries have curtailed the start of his career. But if he's not at least the backup quarterback in his third season, this could go down as one of the biggest draft mistakes in history. 
Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski, there was a call about this. uh, Watson's going to need to be, and Stefanski didn't say this, be patient with the offense as it progresses. But they've invested a lot at wide receiver, John. They've certainly invested at quarterback. And Stefanski at times will look to the backfield as the best option. Does that have to change this year for Stefanski and and for Watson to be a, a good match for Cleveland? He's going to have a running game there he didn't have here. He's got a great offensive line. He's got a great running back. He's got good enough receivers, got a good enough tight end. Their defense got a lot of talent. Don't know how good it can be. Uh, They change coordinators again. But uh, I've never thought that Deshaun will ever have the stats that he had here because of where he plays. That stadium is right on Lake Erie. And even when it's September and it's warm, the wind still can blow so hard it can blow you over. I've been to games where I actually was in danger of being blown over. You can believe that. And so he's going to have that. The wind, he's going to have bad weather when it gets into November, December, and, of course, January. And so there's a reason they haven't had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards since 1980. And here that was routine because of who they played, and I mean, where they played, when they were on the road. So they better run the ball. Every Cleveland offense has been built around the running game because of where they play. And I think that's the way this one's going to be, even though Watson, they gave him 230 million because he can throw the football. And he's a pretty good runner too, but I don't think we'll, we'll see him make a lot of big plays, but we won't see him. I don't think compile big time statistics. John, the, uh, the chat with you always flies by. Uh, we say thank you for that, and we look forward to next week's conversation. Thank you. You can read my stuff on sportsradio610.com. There's no paywall. It is free, free, free. Absolutely. And watch John and the Rookie and various other films also. Right. He's got Revenge. his SAG card. John's on strike that's, with the rest of the actors right now, too. That's right. Uh, there's John McClain. That, that was a pitch to go watch John McClain's film yeah we have other pitches for you to consider that's next on hotline when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Our thanks to John McClain for joining us. Chat, uh, coming up, we've got Ryan Duffy, who's the director of Untold Johnny Football, which debuts today. It's dropped on Netflix. Uh, we highly recommend checking that out. It's very good. Uh, Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, our location. The University of Georgia has fired the football recruiting staffer who survived the January crash that took the life of Devin Willock and then the other recruiting staffer, uh, LaCroix. And they have fired her less than a month after she filed a lawsuit against the athletic department at the University of Georgia. And uh, Tori Bowles is her name. The school, uh, Georgia says in a statement, 
that she was fired because she refused to cooperate with an internal investigation into the crash. But the timing of this is the headline because she's a survivor from the, the four-passenger uh, car crash that took place for uh, racing, street racing, and it ends up claiming the life of two. And it also results in a lawsuit based on the fact that the car that was being used uh, was driven by LaCroix, who had a blood alcohol level of more than twice the legal limit, and had two other instances of speeding uh, that should have been noticed or should have removed the access to the vehicle that she was driving that evening, uh, going at 104 miles per hour. Um, I'm, I'm thinking the, the timing raises an eyebrow based on the lawsuit. But you can also find the reason to dismiss uh, Bowles if she's not cooperating with an internal investigation, which would make sense on her end, too. Well, yeah. I mean, I, look, if you're her and the university you're suing comes to you saying, we need you to cooperate in an internal investigation, your lawyers are going to tell you, don't talk to them because all that can be used against you in your case against them. So I understand why she would say no to that. I understand why Georgia would have some issue with it. Sports side of this, this is obviously a bigger story with lives, you know, that were lost and all that. So let me just go ahead and put that out there before I start to speculate about the sports side of this. If this goes to deposition and this is not some sort of settlement out of court with, with her, I don't know how this is going to be anything but awful for Georgia. Because she could just be a huge whistleblower on everything in the program. Yeah, but the she would know every she would know every skeleton about every player, everything they've done, every recruiting tactic they've used over the years, and she could talk about all of it to anyone if she wanted. And the moment this goes public with a deposition, the lawsuit, and they can ask anything about everything that's gone on. I don't know how you wouldn't be at least somewhat nervous if you're Georgia about all this. Well, and just on the financial end of it too, you know, the, the, because also uh, named in this is, um, I believe uh, they've got, uh, it's, it's the estate of, of Chandler, Chandler LaCroix, LaCroix, right? Yep. And then also they have Jalen uh, Carter. So Jalen Carter has been mentioned in this too. He's, He's been being named sued. in this, in this lawsuit. But As the one who was racing them when racing, but it's also the accident happened. It, that Lacroix it was a super speeder. I think is how it's worded. Uh, that's the the phrase I'm trying to remember. But they four speeding tickets prior to the crash, and she still had the the vehicle, uh, which was through the university access to it that she was driving that evening. Yeah, and but, it's uh, David in the YouTube chat says I've heard she's been getting threats. She's definitely been getting threats. They've talked about that. From Georgia fans. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming Georgia's probably going to do whatever it takes in terms of settlement and NDA with her to end this. But if this thing goes all the way to deposition and she can talk, I, what, what's I mean, what comes though, out of this? What's, in, what's interesting? Well, that's a great question because of the policies or the overlooking certain things, recruiting angles to it as well. Um, the, the policy that Georgia is referencing 
they say or, or they they claim that the internal investigation and the request have gone back for months. Like it didn't just the day after the lawsuit was filed is whenever they asked to speak with her for the internal investigation and she was uncooperative. They said they, they would not, she would not speak on numerous occasions with our investigators and provide information. And through her attorney, she repeatedly refused to cooperate. As a result, and, and, we are ultimately left with no choice. Okay. That's fine. I mean, they, they can term it that way. She nearly died in a car accident with yeah. another Georgia staffer. And it's all because that staffer decided to race the star defensive tackle of the team, who is now a millionaire player with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, I'm sorry, but pardon me, bosses at Georgia. I've got a $12,000 a year job that cost me 12 ribs, a lacerated liver, a fractured skull, a lacerated spleen and kidney. Uh, I'm not going to get back to you on your internal investigation right away. And then I'm not going to do it now because I'm suing you because I have the right to sue you based on everything that happened. I mean, I... Look, I, Georgia has, I, I guess you could say, settle. has every right, but she has every right to not want to talk to them right after it. And then Jalen Carter, who's named, uh, he pleaded no contest right after the, uh, the the combine. He's got 12 months probation on uh, a uh, uh, court cost. Yeah, I mean, look, fine. meanwhile, Kirby Smart is going to SEC Media Days talking about studying the New Zealand rugby team about how to not get complacent. Because they're trying to win a third national title. And oh, by the way, they're heavy favorites to be the first team in a long time, ever, I think, to win three straight national titles. It's been like 90 years or something. In this in this area, yeah. yeah. Chad, uh, it is time to recommend something to our viewers, our listeners, or in Davey Hudson's case, someone that will certainly get the link to the pitch. Oh my God, we're burning alive! No, I can't feel my legs! Let me start with the pitch, if you don't mind. And Chad, would you like to define this? This is wide open. This is a check-it-out moment. Or it can be a uh, try-it-out moment in some cases. Yeah, I think it's just... Look, we're, we're Don Draper right now on Mad Men. We're in a boardroom. We're standing up in front of the client, and we are pitching what the advertising campaign is going to be for whatever it is we're about to talk about. This, this is our, this is our, that's right. It's our, our chance to pitch you on something and in hopes that you'll buy it and actually take part in it. So I'm starting it out with a show. Uh, and Chad, you had recommended this uh, for a while. And I, the way it's described, and you can certainly jump in. When I first hear about sci-fi and it's very futuristic with kind of the twists and turns of the show, and knowing that it is a different uh, script, it's different actors, it's a, a, a different twist on things, episode to episode. Um, Black Mirror is fantastic on Netflix. Started in 2011, inspired by uh, Twilight Zone, and you can certainly get that feel. Uh, for the most part, Every episode has been very entertaining to where I'm trying to predict the, the twist at the end of the episode, and I enjoy it because I don't really have to get to know the characters because it's a one-off, and then it's right back in to a different storyline in the very next episode. Very uh, binge-worthy, and I'm glad I started to binge this show. Check out Black Mirror because the description of sci-fi and futuristic and technology... It's cool when you're watching it. I think trying to get the concept, if you're like me, 
where I prefer you know a certain type of show. It's either got to be extremely funny and my type of humor, or it has to be just one of the top shows that everyone's watching. Not everyone's watching Black Mirror, but you should be because it lives up to the hype that Withrow has been trying me to buy into for a couple of years now. I'd like to ask a question real quick. Yes. Yep. So is there a particular episode you would say, watch this one first, because based off what I know about the premise, it's not a linear to where it's like so, this episode follows. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't have to binge it. That's the kind of the beauty of it. Each story is self-contained. You don't have to start with episode one, season one. Yes. Yeah, and just watch watch whenever you want each one because it's all so, it's its own movie. But, but that's what I'm saying. It's like right. you don't want to be in the situation I am where I tried it four years ago and based off the one episode I just happened to watch at the beginning of that season, it turned me off from the show and, completely. Yes, and I, I watched the one that you referred you're referring to, and I agree. But like I, I you can jump around and just find a, a a a title or a description of the episode that you think you would like. I started with the Aaron Paul episode. Yeah, that, and, that's and, in the latest season. And, and then you end up jumping around and going back to see what they were doing, and I I got caught up in it. I think it's very good. I would say Be Right Back would be one I'd watch, Davey, to start, okay. to kind of dip your toes into it. what's the demon it. one? Demon 79 in the, in the last cool. season. Um, I'd say if you want to feel good about an episode, watch San Junipero. That's probably the happiest of Black Mirror installments. So that that, that would be my... It, uh, make, recommendation it makes on you that. think about technology and what. Yeah, and it's what, all from the mind of Charlie Brooker. You know, one guy who creates it, this British guy, really good. Jesse Armstrong, the creator of mm. Succession, uh, wrote a couple of episodes with him and directed. That's really good before Succession happened. Uh, I, I love that one. I've seen all of them, and I, I highly recommend also. I'm going to go a little bit uh, off the wall with mine here. Uh, a food item that was recommended to me from the children's show from Australia, Bluey. Both of my kids love this show. I will say I'll recommend the show also for your kids. It's clever. Parents can actually watch some of it. It's pretty funny. It's about a family of, of dogs in Australia that speak to each other, and it's, it's clever. Each episode is about 13 to 15 minutes long. Um, in this show, Bluey loves to eat jam and cheese sandwiches. My oldest daughter has started to request jam and cheese sandwiches. She asked me if I wanted to try one. I said, you know what? I'll do anything once, and I'll try <laughs> anything once. So I tried this jam and cheese sandwich, and I'm here to tell you, it's delicious. This is what she requests every day now in her school lunch. We will supply it for her. And if she offers it to me again, I'll probably have it again. Strawberry jam and Monterey Jack cheese, or Colby Jack cheese, is the route I go mm. with, with, um, with, with toast. It's good. It doesn't sound good. I'm telling you, try it. Jam and cheese sandwiches. It worked for Bluey. It also worked for me. I think this is, this sounds pretty good. I, I can't. It sounds it. like a breakfast sandwich. I can't. I can't. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Chad. It, it does not sound good, but it, it's good. I, I, it, Davey. I can vouch. The, the cheese doesn't do well for me. Also, Chad, uh, just really quick on Bluey, the one thing I can add to this conversation, are you familiar with the theory about his parents being international smugglers? No, I'm not. I'd look that up. I won't dive into it. But I'm going to keep it yes. wholesome for my kids, so I'm not even going <laughs> to let it cross my mind. Uh, guys, my pitch is to one person. I don't know how this is going to go <laughs> over, but it, it goes out to Michaela. And Michaela, first off, I want to thank you and Dustin for taking me out for my birthday this past weekend. But during the course of our dinner, you said you were thinking about canceling your HBO Max account. And I'm here to tell you why that is not a good idea. Now, I know that you're saying, hey, right now it's summer Get outside, enjoy the sun. But here in a couple of months, it's going to start getting dark quickly. We're going to have to worry about the cold. 
and you're going to need something to do during that time. And so for that to be the case, HBO Max is a great use of your time. There are so many high-quality shows on there, even things you can go back and watch. We're talking Game of Thrones, the entire series there, The Wire, The Sopranos, even if uh, The Sex and the City, if that's your flavor, you can go for that. But right now is not the time to jump to rash decisions because Dustin and I have to live with those repercussions. And with that being the case, let's just take a moment, sit back, and Give it a couple of months. I mean, at least until winning time season two is over. I don't know. We get through hard knocks. We just we just take a moment is all I have to say to you. And so hopefully you will see this and you will realize, hey, let's give it some time. Let's wait. Let's not jump to conclusions. Well done, Davey. Let's follow up and please let us know what Michaela says to this after she watches your pitch. We want to know if she accepts your not challenge, but your request. Yeah, and it's I mean it's a, it's a humble request, and um, I just all, all I can do is ask, you know. Righteous gemstones, winning time, a couple current shows that are great on HBO. Also, yeah, you gotta you gotta keep with the HBO Max. Now they are licensing off a lot of their old shows to other streamers, so pretty soon HBO originals will be going away from Max. I'm gonna cut this part out of the clip that I send her. Okay. It'll work either way. I think you, I think you <laughs> sold it well. Uh, it, a very easy sell is Untold Johnny Football, oh, yeah. which just dropped on Netflix. We have the director joining us next, Ryan Duffy, on all the behind-the-scenes stories about Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, and the craziness from college to professional. That's next. <laughs> 